This week's press gallery is brought to you by Odyssey Golf. And I got to say, guys, this is a stroke of genius. The new stroke lab putters from Odyssey are engineered to build a better stroke. Odyssey completely rebalanced the putter by using a multi-material shaft that moved weight towards the head and the grip. Smart, right? Yeah. You will feel a difference immediately. And with every putt, you'll actually be building a better stroke. And a better stroke is what makes more putts. The new stroke lad from Odyssey, the number one putter in golf. Available in stores. Learn more about it at odysseygolf.ca. Another quick reminder to subscribe to the Press Gallery wherever you happen to podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you happen to be listening to this right now. Leave us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. It does help. And, of course, spread the word to all of your nerdy friends who enjoy hearing about politics. Any questions, comments, or concerns, give me a shout. egraney at postmedia.com is my email. Or I'm very easy to find hanging out on Twitter, sending out gifts about puppies and kittens at Emma L. Graney. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, politics reporter Emma Graney. It is Friday, August 16, 2019, and this is the Panels, Panels, Panels edition. With me around the table today, it's another small but mighty crew, my mate and legislative colleague. We are friends. Claire yes. Clancy, how are you, mate? Good. Uh, everyone loves a good panel. Mm-hmm. We, we ourselves are a panel. We that's are. true. I would like to think we're an expert panel, Dave. There it's, you go. That's Dave. quite meta. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave Breckenridge, our boss, how are you, mate? I'm sleepy. I'm into fringe mode. Oh, no. Yeah. So I did, I reviewed, I went to three, sh- I still have to review them. I have to write. I was, I was out late. Yeah, I was out late too. What, how many shows did you go to? Three, but the last one was 11.30 to 12.30. Goodness gracious, on a school night. On a school night. Ah! You know, reliving my 20s. Dedication I've watched the, the verdict course. so far. It's been good. It's I've, been bad. I've seen two really, really good shows and one show that had is okay. You'll have to read all about it in our yeah. uh, extensive fringe <laughs> coverage in the Edmonton Journal. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> So today, as you might have guessed from our uh, our title, we are going to be talking about panels. We're going to be talking about a minimum wage expert panel that was announced this week, uh, yesterday, in fact, on Thursday in Calgary. We are also going to be talking about the McKinnon panel, headed by Janice McKinnon, who uh, apparently gave their report to government this week. We'll just talk a little bit about that. And we will briefly talk about a couple of bills that we know are coming, including a very sexy infrastructure bill in 2020. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Se- we just nothing have, sexy have to wait one year for that. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. yeah, summer can get a bit like this, everybody. Uh, but let's start off with the minimum wage panel. Now, this was down in Calgary, and our good friend and colleague, Sammy Hood, is down there covered it for us. Bless your soul, Sammy. So... This was um, something that the UCP did promise in their election platform, that they were going to appoint a quote-unquote expert panel to look at minimum wage. Now, there are a couple of things about this panel that they're going to look into. So first of all, they're going to do an analysis and release this report about the economic impact of the raising of the minimum wage from 1025 from when the NDP took power to 15 bucks by the end of 2018. Uh, so basically it over four years it went up to $15 for a minimum wage. The second part of what the panel is going to be looking at is whether or not alcohol servers should have a lower minimum wage such as the case in Ontario and BC and also in Quebec. 
And again, this is part of the UCP election platform, so it doesn't come as a huge surprise. Um, Dave, you were following this news yesterday, were you? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of the panel in Calgary? Look, it it's contentious. The, this panel and its work will be as contentious as the plan by the UCP to lower the minimum wage for people under the age of 18. Um, if there's talk of lowering the minimum wage for servers who serve alcohol and make tips, there will be people who are against it. On the flip side, there are businesses who are saying, look, we need some flexibility here. We need to be able to uh, have options. We want to be able to hire staff, but you know, having a higher minimum wage has really hurt things for us. I know I saw some tweets last night that kind of made me kind of wonder about the optics of the whole thing. There were some tweets that suggested that members of the panel uh, had ties to restaurants who were members of Restaurants Canada, who were big boosters of lowering the minimum wage during the election campaign. And uh, there were some people who suggested that there were servers from certain restaurants who had ties to Restaurants Canada. Um, so it it's as though that the work or the thinking is already predetermined and that the panel will come out with uh, recommendations that kind of tie in with what people suspect the UCP will do. That said, I do want to say that, you know, the optics of it are bad. And when you start kind of making these ties to groups that are already lobbying for a lower minimum wage uh, for minors or for servers who are, or who have said that restaurants are really being hurt by it, um, it doesn't necessarily look good, but on the flip side, when you, when you have servers on the panel, you can't necessarily take away their own agency by suggesting that their minds are already made up. There are people who are working in restaurants that, you know, they may make a couple hundred bucks a night in tips. And so having a lower minimum wage by, I don't know, I don't know how much you lower it a dollar. So they lose out on $8 a shift, but they're making $200 a shift in tips at a restaurant. Are their opinions invalid because they work for a restaurant that has ties to Restaurants Canada. I'm not saying that they do, mm. but the optics don't necessarily play very well. Well, I think and I think if you're going to have an expert panel, like one of the NDP criticisms of this was was valid in that there weren't any server advocacy groups on the panel. Right. And, you know, why not? I also thought it was really interesting that um, in Sammy's story, he said he asked uh, Jason Copping um, whether anyone on the panel made minimum wage. And That's he, our Labour minister. Our, yeah, right. And he said, um, I can't answer that question. So, you know, I feel like that that is a that's a great question from Sammy. It would be probably useful to have someone who has experience making minimum wage on the panel. Maybe some of them do, but obviously they weren't able to say whether that's the case. Well, putting someone who earns minimum wage on a minimum wage expert panel. Is, Clancy, isn't that no. crazy? Clancy, yeah. you're thinking way outside the box. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Come back inside the box. Um, but Dave, to your point about how much less they'll make, I mean, in... In Quebec, the case is they make $2.45 an hour less. Mm -hmm. But in Quebec too, it's interesting. So in BC and Ontario, it's alcohol servers. That's kind of how it's how it's done. And they make anywhere from a dollar to kind of dollar fifty buck and change, kind of less than your standard minimum wage. But in Quebec, it's anyone who is in who gets receives tips. Mm -hmm. So that's I don't know that uh, that Alberta could go that direction. I mean, they could, they can do what they want, but that would be tough, right? Because who falls under that? I mean, yeah. so many different service industries come under that. I mean, what if you're tipping your dry cleaner? What if you're tipping, you know, your hairdresser, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So then it's, I think, very broad were they to go that direction. And I know that there are, there are service industry jobs where people receive tips 
that aren't making the kind of tips that alcohol servers are making yeah. or restaurant servers are making. I worked at a second cup when I was 20, 21 years old and you have that little bowl on the counter. At the end of the day, you're counting up change. It's not a ton of money, right? Mm. But I've also worked in restaurants where you make a little more in tips. So I appreciate the sentiment from businesses who say that a $15 an hour minimum wage did hurt our business model. There are other restaurants out there. And I, again, I, I've seen tweets. Uh, one local bar owner in Edmonton uh, was tweeting that she pays her workers more than minimum wage. She pays her workers a living wage and she and she disagrees with the work of the panel and she would have loved to have sat on it. So, you know, I get that there are, are varying opinions within the industry between workers and owners and even within those groups as well. And then you have restaurants, I know a few restaurants here in Edmonton, they pay their workers more than the minimum wage and they say, don't tip our servers because we're paying them a living wage here. So we're, we're paying them more so that they don't have to tip. I mean, in Australia, for instance, tipping is not a thing that you do because it's just not part of our culture and our our hourly wages in Australia, though it's done by industry and it's done by age and it's a whole very complex system that there is no way in the world that Alberta is going to adopt because it's hardly going to be red tape reduction, which is something the UCP is totally into. But interestingly, in Australia, if you are a hospitality worker who is working at a bar, say, or a restaurant, you actually get paid more than if you're a hospitality worker who play, who works at, say, KFC, for example, mm -hmm. because you have a little bit more um, responsibility. I mean, you've got responsible service of alcohol. That's a thing that you have to take into account. You have to take those courses. Um, you have to actually put up with a lot more shit too, right? Like yeah. you're putting up with drunken idiots all the time. So paying someone less who's working with alcohol and putting up with the absolute nonsense that servers have to go through. And look, I've worked in a bar before. People can be real assholes once they get a couple of pints into them. I'm I feel not like that's lie. an amazing argument you just made because you're <laughs> yeah. totally right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I and I worked in a bar in um I worked in a bar in, in Sheffield in England and people would try and tip me and they would they don't have a tipping culture really there either. And they would say <laughs> something like, Oh, and buy yourself one love. And I'd be like, I would just panic and say, No, 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 it's fine. And I'd give them all of their change. And their point was there that was like how they tipped people was they would just kind of, oh, and you know, buy yourself a pint at the end of the night. And I just always felt so awkward about taking the money. I would always give it back to them. I think I took like two tips ever in the entire time I worked in that bar. And you regretted it. I regret nothing. No, we, <laughs> well, you know, different culture. You should have gotten right? your tips. Well, yeah. you, you have like, you're, you're shut in after the bar closes, right? Yeah. And then you have like staff discounts on beers. So I didn't want to take their money. But no, so this panel is going to be made up. So Joseph Marchand is the panel chair. He is an associate professor of economics at the University of Alberta. Um... There is an economics professor. Yeah, you've got Restaurants Canada, um, who, again, Restaurants Canada have been extremely vocal in the fight against raising the minimum wage, saying it hurts their members. Um, we've got the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, yet another, you know, organisation that is very opposed to increasing the minimum wage. We've got the owner of a running room, which was interesting. Um, yeah, and then we've got, uh, you know, some servers and also uh, someone who owns Express Employment and they're a member of the 
Alberta Enterprise Group. I'm sorry, I don't know who they are. And let's remember as well that um, when Premier Jason Kenney was campaigning, it was actually at that Restaurants Canada event where he announced initially that they were going to potentially bring in a youth um, worker wage. Mm -hmm. So I think the concerns being brought up by the opposition and that we saw on Twitter about, you know, these ties to Restaurants Canada when they did campaign so hard against the minimum wage are, I think there, you know, there's probably some weight to that argument. Yeah, interestingly too, um, and I, I I did tweet this out, and in the the preparation story, knowing that this panel was going to be announced, in the lead up to the UCP leadership vote, there were lots of debates, and there was one in Edmonton. I was there, and um, I covered it and and tweeted it. I remember it well. Interestingly, the minimum wage came up. It was one of the topics that they talked about. Now, Doug Schweitzer, who is now the Justice Minister argued in favour of cutting the minimum wage back to what it was before the NDP raised it. And Jason Kenney turned around and basically just like said, Doug, you dum dumb. Like, we're here to win. I'm here to win. And cutting somebody's wage is not how you win votes. And everybody cheered. I went back and listened to the uh, recording of it the other night. And everybody cheered. And they were like, yeah, Doug, you dum dumb. And so <laughs> they didn't call him that, obviously. But Callaway, Jeff Callaway... Brian Jean and Jason Kenney were all in, they all said, we can't be cutting people's wages. That's not how you win elections. And Doug was the only one in favor of it. But then lo and behold, they, they won an election they won and, an election and, and cut the wages, wages for, um, for folks, students under 18 and also potentially for alcohol service. I mean, it must be said though, that this panel has just been appointed. Yes, they, we, they still have yeah, to, they fair. still have to do their work and come up with a report. And yes, while you know there are people involved who lobbied hard for a not ra- or lobbied hard against the NDP's campaign to raise minimum wages maybe they've changed their mind maybe they've or they or maybe they will come back and say no we're not going to do it or we'll cap server wages we won't cut they may cap the minimum wage on the whole they may uh cap it for some workers and not others, they may not cut any more wages. We don't know. So, you But know. we're kind of guessing they, they're they probably not going to raise minimum wage. You know what? Maybe yeah. they will. Maybe they'll listen to this podcast and they'll be like, you know what? There does need to be, you know, some kind of like dickhead tax. So servers get paid more now. Oh, yeah. If they're serving alcohol, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. You should be on the panel now. <laughs> <laughs> no one needs to hear that. Um, speaking of panels, of course, we do have the McKinnon panel uh, came up with its report this week, but we don't get to see it, which I know Dave hates with the power of a thousand sons. I, you know, like I look, I get it. Yeah, government has a report that they asked for. They appointed a panel. They get a report. They want to read it before they give it to people in the public <laughs> or they want to read it, you know, like... And I the NDP at- did this as well, like in the freaking photo radar and also the reports into the Fort McMurray fire. They sat on that thing for like, what, three months Yeah, this yeah. is three just months classic. Or something like that. Yeah, it's, classic it's, government it's, it's what governments do. So for people who are saying, oh, Jason Kenney hiding that report or sitting on that report, well... That's no, what governments do. It's par for the I course with it. governments. I, you know, it would be good to get it when government gets it. I understand that they want to read it, put their own spin on it. I mean, they want to release it when they're ready to. They want to, you know, fine. That's great. I do want to see the report though. I was hoping to have it in August so we could go into the fall, like having a better sense of what, you know, the report said, what ramifications that could have for the budget. We'd have more time before the budget to talk to people and say, hey, what do you think of this report? Or what does this mean for you? What does this mean for school boards? the Alberta Health Services, all of those things. That's very important. But yeah, you know, it's it's 
you know, more a media whiny frustration kind of thing. <laughs> I don't like waiting for stuff. And for people listening who need a quick reminder about what this report is, it's the... Um, Thanks, Clancy. You no know, worries. It's the Blue Ribbon Panel uh, that Jason Kenney appointed in May. Um, it's to review Alberta's uh, finances, focusing on spending. It's not actually delving into revenue at all. Um, and it will inform probably a lot of the UCP decisions for the next four years. Jason Kenney has said this panel will help inform a fall budget. Um, and throughout the summer, whenever there have been announcements, often the questions that we've asked, um, you know, about where money is coming from or potential budgetary items, the answer from the government has always been, let's wait till we see the report, let's wait till we um, make decisions based on the report. So it has massive consequences, I think, um, politically and, you know, economically for the province. Um, I also chatted to UFC economist this week, Trevor Toome, about it, just ahead of it coming out. And uh, it will be publicly released, we think, in September. So we'll have much more to say then. But um, yeah, it was interesting talking to, to Trevor because he made some good points, which was that He's really interested to see how nitty gritty the report is because it's possible we're going to get a report that's um, really broad based, makes broad recommendations. And I think everyone's kind of waiting to see um, how much we get into, um, yeah, just like in depth into finances because they haven't had a ton of time either to Mm. do this review. Yeah, so it's been headed by Janice McKinnon, who is the former Saskatchewan finance minister. Um, She was an NDP finance minister. I wrote a big deep dive into kind of her. her And everyone should read that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I read her book and I put lots of sticky notes in it. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, in her book, she talks about the the choices that they made, which included um, closing 52 rural hospitals. Um, There were some cuts to public sectors. There was the end of the children's dental program. There were lots of things like that. Of course, Saskatchewan in the early to mid-90s was in a very different spot than what Alberta is in now. Um, She didn't want to chat with me for that piece that I wrote, but um, she did say it would be a mistake to compare Saskatchewan then with Alberta now, but Alberta needs to make tough choices now in order to avoid getting into the state that Saskatchewan was in then. And and this week we followed up and asked her again if she'd like to chat, and she said panel panel members aren't going to be speaking about it until its official release. Huh. Um, and we also you know asked the province for some information about what they thought of the report, and it was a statement from Finance Minister Travis Taves. So really, I think what's happening now is everyone's going to review it, and then we'll see in a couple of weeks what exactly it means, but there's not really much else to say about it other than what we've previously written. On the report, is interesting though, Dave, when we bitch about not getting it straight away, I was just thinking, like, we do get reports from independent bodies straight away all the time, so I don't understand why we can't get an independent look at this or, or any, any other independent reports. Like you get the Office of the Child and Youth Advocate. Yeah, that's true. We get true. those reports straight yeah. away. Um, Auditor General, we get those reports straight away as soon as they go to government. So anyway, that's just a little, just a thought I had. And journalists there. like getting reports when they're initially submitted to government. So yeah. if anyone wants to give us a copy, just yeah, it's fine. swing on by our offices. We will absolutely take it from you. Okay, briefly, very briefly, let's talk about uh, what's happening in 2020. Sexy infrastructure. Yeah, uh, they're gonna have <laughs> <laughs> trying to make infrastructure <laughs> sexy. Great, it's a battle that I will never win. <laughs> infrastructure is only a sexy story if it's falling apart on people, <laughs> like bridges in Quebec that fall. Like that makes infrastructure a sexy story. Where would all that money go? Potholes. Potholes are like big ones. People yeah. care about potholes. Sinkholes. Yeah, sinkholes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, one of my greatest fears is actually falling into a sinkhole or a sinkhole just opening up and swallowing me. 
always been scared of it. Anyway, you don't need to know that, but there you go. <laughs> Analyze that as you will. Yeah, so basically in spring 2020, the UCP is going to I- introduce something called the Alberta Infrastructure Act, which will um, apparently uh, the idea of it is to provide more transparency as to why decisions are being made around infrastructure funding. Um, I talked about it also does things like um, – makes things more predictable or that's the idea of it anyway and then kind of has then the in tandem they're going to have a 20-year um, kind of capital plan which is a very long-term lofty goal. I mean a lot of municipalities have kind of five to ten year plans. 20 years is a bloody long time but mm. municipalities I had a chat with um, AUMA and also with the city sorry that's the Alberta yeah, urban, urban municipalities. municipalities association and also the city of Edmonton. And they both said, yeah, you know what? We would, we would welcome this, but we need to be at the table because we need to understand why you're doing what we do, what you're doing. And we need to have our input as to what we think should be priorities here and what we think should be explanations as to why certain things get funded and why certain things don't. Clancy, it's not the only piece of Legislation yeah, we, we know about it. And I think we, yeah, we definitely are gearing up for a lot more legislation in the fall session. Um, as, as people know, 13 bills were passed in the most recent session. But um, one of the bills that um, the justice minister has talked about during the summer um, a little bit uh, that we know is going to come is called the Save the Girl Next Door Act. And that's modeled on a 2016 Ontario bill. Basically, it's um, it's related to preventing human trafficking. And it's um, it allows victims to get restraining orders against their traffickers and to sue them. Mm. So, yeah, that's an interesting piece of legislation we'll see in the fall. Mm. Interesting bill, terrible name. Terrible name. Kathleen Wynne's government. What were they thinking? Save the girl next door. Just, ugh, gross. Yeah, I don't like it either. They could change the name of it. It'd be way better. And what else? Dave, there's another one. Yeah, I I believe that uh, coming up in the fall, but maybe the spring, but coming up soon, we'll see uh, Claire's Law. It's... uh, Legislation that would allow Alberta police to disclose the criminal records of potentially abusive partners. I assume maybe like people Mm. in domestic relationships could go to police and say, hey. Hey, do a check on, do a check on Dave. Yeah. He seemed, not, not that Dave. I'm clean. (laughs) You know, I I will just say it right now. That took a turn. I was trying to think of a generic name. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Dave is a pretty common name. I was known as Dave B for the most, uh, most of David B for you know, all of elementary school. There's a David B and a David K in my class. So that's fine. But yeah, so that's, you know, I, you know, it's one of the crime uh, measures that the UCP, it, you know, the conservatives traditionally want to be tough on crime, want to, you know, look out for victims of crime. So between the saving the girl next door and Claire's law, we'll see kind of some of that pan out in the fall session. That should be interesting. Yep, for sure. That's so that's earmarked to start on October 22, the day after the federal election. Hooray. Okay, let's move over to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things we've read or seen or listened to lately that we think you might also enjoy. Clancy, what you got for us, mate? I'm going to recommend... Is it going to be a podcast? It is going to be a podcast. Hey! But it's not, I mean, it's not super new, but I just, I, it's something I've been listening to this week that I think is amazing. Um, so Reply All, one of my favorite podcasts about the internet and just crazy stories about the internet is right now replaying its most popular top 10 episodes, um, which are all excellent. And uh, the one I was listening to today um, is called The Crime Machine, um, but it's two two parts. And it's basically about how New York City 
uh, cops are, it's the tagline for the episode is New York City cops are in a fight against their own police department. They say it's under the control of a broken computer. And it's just this like really weird story about cops in New York and this like system that they're dealing with. Um, Fascinating. All the episodes of Reply are all are awesome. But yeah, the top 10, I've been really enjoying them. I'm going to recommend an awesome uh, deep dive by our colleague Leanne Folder. Um, it's into conversion therapy, which is, of course, a huge topic here in Alberta uh, with, with the whole is it or is it not still a thing conversion therapy working group that was looking to actually figure out how to ban the practice. It's called conversion therapy. It's in our insight section this weekend, but you can find it online now. Conversion therapy, controversy swirls as definitions and dimensions remain elusive. So Leanne did an awesome job. She went into the kind of history of it. She looked at um, how hard it is to actually find numbers around it. She talked to a whole bunch of people. It's an excellent read into a very I've, relevant Yeah, topic very right important. Now. Yeah, It's very, really good. Uh, Dave, take us home, mate. Uh, you know, we talked a bit about it off the top. I'm going to recommend The Fringe. I know Ed, not all of our listeners are in Edmonton, but if you're in Alberta and you want to kind of, you know, have a bit of fun over the next nine, 10 days, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, where the wild things fringe, uh, the Edmonton international fringe festival, it is theatrical Darwinism or artistic, <laughs> you know, a free market capitalism of <laughs> arts, you know, it's not entirely a, a great equalizer cause you know, art artists have uh, profile and history with the festivals, but everyone kind of gets a fair shake. Uh, you get a venue, you get a tech, you get some lights, you, everyone gets crappy show times and some primetime <laughs> slots. And, you know, you're out hustling, trying to get people to come to your show. I've seen three shows already, uh, Chase Paget, Heart Attacks and Other Blessings, Lightweight and Jane Man, the Jane Mansfield Holiday Special. Um, very diverse shows. That's the other thing I love about the festival. There's something for everybody. There's outdoor shows, indoor venues. I'm, you know, probably a lot of you who are listening already know what the fringe is, but that would be my recommendation. Go see some theater over the next few days. Yeah, absolutely. We were down on White Ave last night, actually watching one of my favorite bands, well, artists called John Snodgrass. Hey, shout out to him. Go listen to one of his songs. And uh, there were a ton of people out going to fringe last night. It was really fantastic. Oh, and Frank Turner has a new album out. You should go listen to that too. Look at that. How many recommendations is that? Millions. Guys, thank you so much for joining me, Claire Clancy, Dave Breckenridge. We will be back again this time next week for more chats about Alberta politics. As always, any questions, comments or concerns, reach out to me. egraney at postmedia.com is my email or you can find me on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. Thanks for listening. 